0: Wow. Happy Mother's Day. If you have a mother sitting next to you, say, Happy Mother's Day. And if the person sitting next to you is not a mother, say, I hope you have a good day too. Wow. Well, on Tuesday, Chuck texted me and I asked him, do you have any direction for me for next Sunday? And he said, look to see how God revealed himself to Israel in the wilderness. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. And I thought, well, I just did a message on that about three weeks ago. But then he said, and then look to see how Jesus did the same thing in the New Testament. And I thought, well, that's really interesting and I started to study and I realized God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He revealed himself in the Old Testament the same way Jesus did in the New Testament. But as I looked at that, I realized God has a message that he was trying to give to Israel, that he was trying to give to, the, to us in the New Testament, that he's trying to give to the world. And so that's what I want to talk about today, and the message today is God's amazing good news, or what God wants the world to know. So God has some news for you, and it's good news. That's what the gospel is. The word gospel means good news. God has good news for you. He has good news for the human race. And he's called the church to spread the word. He wants everyone to know it. The problem is the church has not always been sure what the good news is. You know, the way some evangelists share the good news, it doesn't sound all that good. Some begin by warning people they are dirty condemned sinners and they're headed for an eternity of terrible suffering in hell if they don't trust in Jesus. What good news. But you know people do need to know that but there are some important things about God that they need to know before they hear that. Because in both the Old Testament and the New Testament when God begins to introduce himself to people He begins in a very different way. And there are some important things that he wants every human being to understand. And today we want to see how God shares his good news with the human race. So let's begin with Israel in the wilderness. You know, when Israel left Egypt, they knew God had delivered them from slavery, but they did not know very much about God. They didn't have a Bible. They just had a few stories passed down about how God appeared to Abraham. But they had lived as slaves in Egypt and they knew all about the Egyptian gods, but they didn't know very much about the God that had rescued them from captivity. And so Israel had a lot to learn. There were many things God wanted to teach them. The question is, where did he start? You know, he could have started with the Ten Commandments. First night out of Egypt, he could have sat him down and said, let me give you the Big Ten. He could have given them the law, the Torah, the teaching of God. And that would let them know they're sinners and they need to repent, and that's important. But that is not where God started to reveal himself. Now, when they got down to Sinai, he would give them all that stuff. He would give them the law and teach them the importance of righteousness because those are very important things. But before they heard that, there were some other things they needed to know. So on their trek down to Sinai, God began to teach them about himself. The first place they took them was a place called Mara. You know, after leaving the Red Sea, they traveled through the desert for three days without finding water. And finally, they came to an oasis called Mara. But when they got there and tasted the water, it was bitter. It was poisonous. They could not drink it. So there they were in the middle of the desert with no water to drink. That's not a very good place to be. And so they grumbled and complained And the question in their mind was, could God provide what they needed? And God was gracious. And he provided. The Lord showed Moses a piece of wood. And he says, Moses, let me tell you a secret. Bitter water is not a problem for me. I can heal bitter water. See that piece of wood, put it in the water and watch what happens. So Moses picked up the stick put it in the water, and the bitter water was healed. It was now fresh and life-giving. But then God said something else. He said, by the way, I not only heal water, I heal people. And then God gave this promise. He said, if you listen to my voice, I will keep you well, for I am the Lord who heals you. In Hebrew, God was revealing one of his covenant names. I am Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. And God is Yahweh Rapha. It's part of his nature. It's part of his identity to heal. Now, when you look at this, here's what we need to see, though. Here is a whole nation of people who knew almost nothing about God And the very first thing he tells them about himself is, I'm a healer. If you listen to my voice, I will keep you well. For I am Yahweh who heals you. Then he led them to a place called Elam. In Exodus 15 it says, They came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Now, Elam was a wonderful place. It was a place of provision and refreshing. After the hot, dry desert and the disappointment at Marah, God brought them to a beautiful place. And God revealed himself as Yahweh, Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd, who surprises us with his goodness, who leads us into his blessing. God's not only a healer, he wants you to experience his blessing. Then next, they camped at the wilderness of sin. Now, the word sin there has nothing to do with the English word sin, and yet sin is what they did there. But because the, of the wilderness of sin, they had a problem. Their provisions were running low. And the question in their mind was, could God provide what they needed? Could God give them food that they need even in the middle of a wilderness? And so they were filled with fear. They sinned. They murmured and complained. But God showed them he could provide. So in the morning, the ground was covered with what looked like small white seeds. And they called it manna. And all they had to do was go out and pick it up. They had bread from heaven. Six days a week, every morning. And God showed them that he is a good and generous God who is willing and able to meet their needs. And then they came to a place called Rephidim. They had another problem. No water. They went into unbelief and self-pity. They had not yet figured out that God would provide what they needed. And yet God provided. And God told Moses to strike a rock and abundant water came gushing out. And at Rephidim, God showed Israel he is Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who sees their need and provides. Also at Rephidim, the Amalekites attacked. The Amalekites ambushed the stragglers and the weak. You know, that's still one of Satan's favorite strategies. If you're weak, if you're a strategy If you're a straggler, if you're not linked in with some other believers, Satan will attack you. This was Satan, this was Israel's first experience with warfare. And the people wondered, could God provide a way of deliverance? And so Moses sends Joshua to lead the army against the Amalekites. Moses went into intercession and the Amalekites were defeated. And God showed another covenant name. He is Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, our banner of victory who would always lead us in triumph. And so all the way from Egypt down to Sinai, God put Israel in situations where he could demonstrate his goodness and his faithfulness. And the number one thing he wanted them to know was he is good. They could count on him. They didn't have to live in fear They could trust him to take care of them. And so there were some things before he gave the law, before he gave the Ten Commandments, there are certain things God wanted the people to know. He is a healer. He is a provider. He is a deliverer. He gives victory over the enemy. God wanted them to know his goodness. And you know, it's important to remember That God is good. Tell your neighbor, God is good. You know, that's stressed all the way through the Old Testament. One of my favorite passages is Psalm 103, where it lists six promised benefits of knowing the Lord. And it gives a warning. He says, don't forget even one of them. He's the God who forgives all your sins. If you walk with the Lord, you'll be forgiven. He heals all your diseases. If you walk with the Lord, you'll be healed. He redeems your life from destruction. If you walk with the Lord, you'll be kept safe. He crowns you with love and compassion. If If you belong to the Lord, you are loved. He satisfies your desires with good things. That means you're blessed. And your youth is renewed like the eagles. You are made new. And see, God doesn't want you to live in worry and fear. You have a loving Father who cares for you, and God wants you to know, to know that you know that you know that God is good. Tell your neighbor, God is good. (laughs) See, God wants his people to know his goodness. But more than that, God wants the world to know his goodness. That was the heart of Jesus. You know, Satan works overtime trying to get people to doubt the goodness of God. But all through the Gospels, we see one of Jesus' primary purposes was to reveal and demonstrate the goodness of God. One of my favorite examples is the healing of the leper in Mark chapter 1. Now, this was one of the very first miracles that Jesus did. In Mark 1, a leper comes to Jesus and said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, he didn't doubt that Jesus had power, but he was doubting his goodness, whether Jesus would respond to his request and heal him. It says, Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. So right at the start of Jesus' ministry, Mark tells us that healing is Jesus' will. Do you realize if you need healing, you do not need to pray, Lord, if it is your will? Because Jesus already answered that question. He said, I am willing. Be healed. Be healed. As God told Israel back at Marah, he is Yahweh Rapha. He is the Lord who heals. And that's a very special passage to me because I have a testimony about it. When I was at my senior year in college, I was sitting in a campus crusade meeting. And all of a sudden, I started to get this terrible pain in my back. And it hurt more and more and more. And when the meeting was over, I went to the college infirmary, infirmary, And they asked me some questions. They said, we think you have a kidney stone. So they put me in bed in the infirmary. They gave me the strongest pain medicine they had there, which did absolutely no good at all. And so I was laying there in agony for hours. And not being able to sleep, I took out a pocket New Testament and thought, I'll just read the Bible. And I opened it up to Mark chapter 1. That was the story of the leper. And the leper said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I'm willing, be clean, be cleansed. And it struck me when I read that, you know, if I could get in a time machine and go back and stand before Jesus... I could say, Lord, if you're willing, you can take this pain away. You can heal me. And he would say, I'm willing. And take the pain away. And then I realized, well, wait a minute. Jesus is here right now. Yeah. So I said, Lord Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me. And he answered and he said, "I'm willing to be healed." And it was like somebody flipped a switch. Yeah. I mean, I had been in pain and agony for hours, and it was like he said, "I'm willing to be healed." The pain just stopped instantly. Never came back. The next morning, the, the kidney stone passed with no pain, And I learned something about Jesus. Jesus is good. He is a healer. He is as willing to heal now as he was back then. Now, this is really
1: important. I want you to put your hand right here. It is our will that has to come into alignment with his will. That's really the problem. We don't think he's willing to heal us. We think there's something about us that he's not willing to deal with this man was a leper and he really was troubled would jesus really touch him now father we say line our wheels up line our wheels up line our wheels up with you Break stubbornness in our will. Break willful self-will that thinks we have to do it all. Father, we thank you right now that you are willing, so realign our wills.
0: You know, a big problem with the church is that's not the message the church usually gives the world. The message the world hears from the church is not the goodness of God, but he's a God who heals. But one of Jesus' primary goals was to proclaim God's goodness. You know, the first time Jesus stood up in the synagogue to preach, that's how he introduced himself. In Luke 4, it says, He stood up to read, and the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It says, then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus said he was anointed by God to proclaim the good news. That's the gospel. That's the news God wants the world to know. But what, was, what did that good news include? Well, Jesus said he had good news for the poor. There was proclaiming freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. That's the year of jubilee when all debts are canceled. And Jesus' message was all about the goodness of God. So what did Jesus' good news include? Well, first he came to bring good news to the poor. Now the news the church has proclaimed to the poor has not always sounded very good. A lot of the church today tells the poor that poverty is a blessing. God wants you to remain in poverty. Some churches have even told people that to be spiritual, they need to take a vow of poverty because money is unspiritual. I wanna tell you, if you're poor, that's not good news. God's good news is you don't have to be poor anymore. Jesus said, I'll I'll teach you the secrets of the kingdom so you will learn how to prosper. Jesus also brought good news to those who had inner hurts and were broken hearted. He preached to those who had bad experiences in life. And the good news he brought was, you don't have to suffer that anymore. I can take away the pain and heal you. Jesus preached good news to those who were in bondage. You know, a lot of times the church's message has been one of condemnation. You know, Satan holds you in bondage because of your sin. You have sinned and now you have to pay the price. That was not what Jesus preached. His good news was you don't have to be in bondage anymore. I can set you free. He preached good news to those who were blind, both physically and spiritually. He said, the good news is your eyes can be opened to see realities you never saw before. You will see into the realm of the spirit, and you'll know the truth that will make you free. He preached good news to those who were sick in their bodies. He didn't say to them, well, it serves you right, you wanted to play with sin, now you've contracted a serious disease It's all your own fault. No, he said, the good news is, you don't have to be sick anymore. You can be healed. You know, a lot of the church has portrayed God to the world as a big ogre that judges people with poverty and sickness and disease and destruction. The church's message has been perceived as there is an angry God in the sky just waiting for someone to mess up so he can stump them. Uh That is not good news. There's a lot of unbelievers that don't want to come to the Lord because all they've ever heard from Christians is you're going to hell. Jesus' response to the sick was always Of course, I want to heal you. And then he healed them. And so Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. And for three years, he traveled around Judea and Samaria and Galilee, teaching and healing, delivering the oppressed and performing miracles. He was showing the world what a good God we have. Let's look at two examples. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus was asked to teach in a synagogue on Shabbat. But as he stood up to speak, he noticed a crippled woman in the congregation. And he called her to come forward. Now we're told this woman had been crippled by a spirit of, of infirmity, that's called a demon, for 18 long years. A demon had attached itself to her and would not allow her to stand up straight. See, the demons are like the Amalekites that Israel encountered in the wilderness. They prey on the weak and on the helpless. And this woman needed what Israel needed in the wilderness. She needed Yahweh Nisi. She needed a God who could bring her victory over the oppressing enemy. And the good news is, that's who Jesus was.
1: Robert, show that, keep that picture up there. We're going to do something. This week the Lord had me pray for a lady in New Zealand and she said, I have the issue of blood that the woman in the Bible has. I want you to turn around and point right there. Father, we decree right now that this same Jesus by His Spirit is coming into New Zealand right now and touching that issue of blood, we say to the blood, stop in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. And so Jesus said to this woman, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up. And praise God, for the first time in 18 years, she could stand up straight, she was healed. But you know, that's not the end of the story. There was a second person in that synagogue who was also crippled by a demon. It was the synagogue ruler. He also suffered a crippling attack. He was held in a bondage every bit as real as the crippled woman because he had just seen an incredible miracle. He knew the woman who had received it, but he was not a happy camper. He was so crippled by a spirit of religion, he could not rejoice when a woman was healed. He was afflicted by the crippling disease of legalism. And see, that is where a lot of the church is today. You know, God says we're coming into harvest. God's going to start to bring in all sorts of people and they cannot be met with a spirit of legalism. They need to be met with the message of the goodness of God. And this man was enraged because Jesus didn't fit with the narrow interpretation of the law that he had been taught. And so he stood up and said to the people, you know, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days and not on the Sabbath. He was so focused on his own narrow interpretation of God's law that he totally missed God's heart. And Jesus rebuked him. Jesus said, you hypocrite! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead them out to give it water? So should that not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? That is so awesome. The synagogue ruler was so crippled by a religious spirit of legalism that on Shabbat, on the Sabbath, on a day set apart for rejoicing and celebrating God's goodness, he could not join in celebrating a mighty work of God. He missed the heart of God. See, God's law is important, but even more important than the law of God is the heart of God. And the number one thing God wants the world to know about him is that he is good. Let's look at one more example. In John chapter 8, the Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman caught in the act of adultery. In the very act. There was no question about her guilt. And they threw her down at Jesus' feet. And the Pharisees gathered around him. And they knew the law. They were experts in the Torah. And they said in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? And Jesus knew legally the Pharisees were right. That's what the law says. But Jesus was concerned about more than the law and Jesus looked at the woman cringing at his feet and then at the pious religious leaders around him and he gave a very interesting answer he said you're right that's what the law says but let he who is without sin cast the first stone see Jesus did not condone the woman's sin but he saw a more serious sin in the Pharisees, their self-righteous pride. He said, you are so quick to judge here. Are you innocent? And then it says something very interesting. He says he stooped down and wrote on the ground. In some translations, some manuscripts say he wrote on the ground the sins of each one of them. So Jesus knelt down in the dirt and began to list the sins of the religious leaders. And as he did that, they all got convicted and they all turned and left. When all the accusers had gone, the woman looked up at Jesus. He said, did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Now the question is, why did he not condemn her? She was clearly guilty. But John 3.17 says, Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. And see, that's the goodness of God. It it trumps our theology, it trumps legalism, it trumps religion. The religious world doesn't know how to deal with it. And see, many people today are so afraid to get near to God because they think if they ever get close to God, he will condemn them. But the woman caught in adultery made a wonderful discovery. When she finally got face to face with the Lord, she found that he is good. See, Jesus is the English translation of the Hebrew word Yeshua. In Hebrew, Yeshua means salvation. Jesus did not come to rebuke or condemn. He came to be our Savior. The word salvation means rescue. It means deliverance salvation is not just being forgiven when Yeshua comes to bring salvation he is coming to rescue us from sin sickness and all the oppression of the enemy see when God brought Israel out of Egypt the very first thing he wanted to teach them long before he gave them the big ten he wanted them to know he is good and see that was Jesus message also And that needs to be our message. Jesus wants us to go into all the world and introduce people to our good God. To let them know about Yahweh Rapha. There is a God who wants to heal them. I see that you're sick. You look like you're having some physical problems. You know, I have a God who heals people. Would you mind me praying for you? We need to introduce them to Yahweh Roha, a good shepherd who leads them into blessings. It sounds like you've been through a hard time. But you know, I have a God who leads people out of difficulty into blessing. Would you mind if I pray for you? We need to introduce them to Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who can meet every need they have. You're going through some financial difficulty. But let me tell you, I have a God who can provide. Would you mind me praying for you? We need to introduce them to Yahweh Nisi who rescues us from the enemy's oppression. Yeah, you're being oppressed by the devil. You're being tormented. But I have a God who can set you free. Would you mind me praying for you? And see, that is the amazing good news that the world is desperately waiting to hear. Why is it so important for people to know God's goodness? It's because no matter what else you know about God, if you don't know that He is good, you will never have faith. (laughs) Understanding God's goodness is the key to faith. And obedience you know one of the most important confessions of faith found all the way through the Old Testament is for he is good loving and his kind. loving kindness endures forever tell your neighbor he is good, good. his loving kindness endures forever good. Good. God wants you to know that he is good he is kind he is merciful He is a healer. He is a provider. He is a protector. And God wants you to know he's there for you today. And if you're here this morning or if you're on on the web and you don't know Jesus, God wants you to know he is good. He's good. And he's here. He's here for you. So right now, just turn to him and say, Lord Jesus, I need to know you. I need to know a good God who can fix all the messes I've gotten myself into. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that for everyone who will turn to you, you will meet them because you are good. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your love and your blessing. I pray each one here and each one on the web would come to know your goodness this week at a whole new level. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Wow. Let's stand up. Wow. I want you to remember these words all week. I am willing. Say it out loud. I am willing. You're going to hear him say to you, this week, I am willing. You just tell me what you're trying to work out. I am willing. Say it out loud. I am willing. Now look up and say, Lord, thank you. You're willing. Now tell two or three people, Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you. Don't forget Wednesday night. Keith Keith Pierce, if you didn't watch his testimony, Watch his testimony this week. Amber's going to be sharing her testimony. Pam's going to be sharing hers. Then we're going into a week long after Pentecost deliverance. So we get delivered of all the goofy things we think. Look at somebody and say he is willing. willing. Go forth.